Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the blessings you've already poured upon us this day. And now the awesome opportunity once again to get back into your word. Help us now as we do that. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Continuing our chronological study of the Bible, we're in chapter 6 of Genesis. We've seen the generations and we've seen the timeline and so forth of the things that have been going on. And we know as far as the timeline goes, we'll be speaking of the, the days of, of Noah. And that would be around, Noah was born around 874, it's estimated, 874 B.C., so we're around the ninth century, and by now, mankind has become pretty evil, and it's time to do something about it. Let's see here in Genesis chapter 6, where it reads, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, we see the term sons of God. It's used in a couple different ways in the scriptures. One of the ways is that he's speaking of angels. But most of the time you see this, they're speaking of people that are followers and believers of God. And that's what it applies to here. And it's speaking of the, the ones that were of the bloodline of Seth, that it's been acknowledged that they called upon the name of the Lord, the descendants of Seth. So you had a generation of people that were godly, but then they got out of the direction of the Lord and started taking multiple wives because it says that they took them wives of all which they chose. So you had these people that were blessed by the Lord, and then now they're turning against the guidance of the Lord and doing things they shouldn't be doing. As it continues, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. Now, this 120 years has been taken two different ways. One of them is that when this was spoken, that it meant in 120 years there's going to be a judgment. And others have said, well, this is an indication of the length of time he will allow people to live, only 120 years, and no one can live longer than that. That's the two general ideas about what he means here where he says be 120 years. But we know that Noah lived more than 120 years after the flood, and we know that others through time have, have lived longer than that. So I don't think that you could stand firmly on either one of those. But it really isn't critical to whether it was a warning of 120 years that something's going to happen or that, generally speaking, man's life is going to be shortened. We know as a result of the worldwide flood, 
people did not live as long because the earth condition was is perfect for living on it as a result of the judgment of the flood. And in verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. Now the word giants here, there's a number of words that's used in the Old Testament that's been translated as giant. Now in Deuteronomy, we see the word giant, and it is a Hebrew word, which is rapha, which means large people with great strength and power, such as Goliath that David went up against. When you read the accounts of David and Goliath and the family of Goliath, they were used, they used this word rapha, which is, they were very large, they were very big, they were very powerful, they were tall, they were giants as we would consider them. And there's a, another word in Genesis 6, verse 4 here that we see where it's translated as giant, which is nephil. And nephil is a Hebrew word, which means a bully or a tyrant. So not a large person, but a bully and a tyrant. They became politically powerful, financially powerful, influential in a way that they use that for their benefit and become bullies and tyrants. So let's read that again. It says, There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, sons of God and the daughters of men, daughters of men has been interpreted as being the ungodly line of Cain and his ungodly people, but the godly marrying the ungodly, they were unequally yoked and started doing the ungodly things, and they became powerful because of the blessings they had prior to becoming disobedient and became tyrants and bullies. As he continues, and they bear children to them, and some became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And in verse 5, so we have these people that are being blessed by the Lord because they were seeking the Lord. And then they take that and then they, they become arrogant, puffed up, prideful, and start doing things their own way. Start having a bunch of kids by different women and marrying several wives. And they become powerful and bullies and tyrants. And evil starts to spread, multiply. And generation after generation, it just gets so bad that we see verse 5 kick in. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So mankind had gotten so evil that just continually evil when they lost that tug of war between right and wrong. reads, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. Now we see repented, which means to be sorry. 
So he was sorrowful that he had even created man at this time. It was a disappointment to him, in other words, that man has become so evil, had turned against him so far. And it grieved him, which means he was displeased and it, it hurt him. Verse 7, And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Note how he includes the animals. Now, he didn't say anything about the sea creatures, but he did speak of the beasts and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, all the land creatures. So you wonder, why did he want to destroy them? Had they become evil? Well, yes. As a result of Satan being cast down to the earth, he just went haywire and was affecting everything and everybody he could, including the animals, just like he influenced the serpent when he used that animal to go and deceive Eve. He has gotten into the, the desires and the behaviors of the animal kingdom and caused them to become evil as well, devouring one another, which was not the design, was not the intent when they were created. So the Lord's going to do something about it. Verse 8, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, who was a descendant of Seth, found grace. Notice the word grace, which means unmerited favor. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't reach a level of righteousness that he then qualified because of his righteousness. But he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord chose him and showed mercy upon him and grace. Verse 9. These are the generations of Noah. Now he's getting into an account of a timeline in the life of Noah. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. Note, they did recognize him as being someone who walked with God. Not to the point that we saw Enoch walk so closely with the Lord that the Lord raptured him on up. So in comparison of the other people out there, which he said were, were evil, that Noah at least was in the right behavior. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. For God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. All flesh. Let's talk about animals and mankind. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. He could have just said a single word and wiped everything in existence out, completely gone, and started over. 
But he did. He's going to use what he has created and manipulate it and have judgment by using what he has already created. Verse 4. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. No one really knows exactly what this gopher wood is or was, but it was a tree that was around at that time. There are many plants that are no longer around that were here before the flood that didn't survive because the earth isn't in the perfect growing setting as it was prior to the flood. But this gopher wood apparently was a very buoyant and very strong wood. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, an ark. What is an ark? Basically, the word ark is translated as box. So make you a big box. Because they weren't ocean travelers at that time. And there weren't a bunch of mariners around there that had a bunch of ships that they could model it after. But the Lord told him exactly how to design it. So that it could handle the waves. So it could handle the flood. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Now pitch is basically derived from the sap of trees. You get the right sap and it can be melted down and turned into a thicker and thicker solution and it's you can put it on something and make it waterproof. So he's basically telling him to use the materials necessary or to waterproof it, which is available as pitch. So makes it pitch and put it on inside and out to make it watertight. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. So this is a very large ship, and a cubit is the distance from the tip of the finger to the elbow, depending on how big you are. It can be anywhere from 18 to 24 inches. It's generally thought that it was 18 inches that he was describing here. A window shalt thou make of the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower and second and third stories shalt thou make it. So a three-story, and a story is typically around 10 feet, 10 to 12, depending on what he's going by here. He doesn't tell how big those stories are, but he's dividing that. If you took the total height that he's speaking of there and divided it, they're very tall individual spaces. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. The flood. They didn't have any concept of the flood because there hadn't been any floods prior to this. But with thee will I establish my covenant covenant, that contract, that agreement. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. So it's designated that this family, these eight people, will definitely go into the ark. 
And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female. Many people go to this point here, about two by two, and they finish. They think, okay, there was two of every kind. That was all. But you got to look, there was 14 of some of the kinds, because he tells us. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And thou, and take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. He didn't have to go out and catch all these critters and bring them in. They came to him in pairs, two by two. But note here in chapter 7, he defines this a little further. In Genesis chapter 7, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. So here we see a testimony of the righteousness of Noah. So it wasn't purely by grace, but by merit also. But primarily it was by grace. Of every clean beast thou shalt take of thee by sevens. Notice, he's increasing it to sevens, not just two by two, but by sevens. So it has to be male and female. So therefore he's speaking of 14, because by sevens. So seven male, seven female of all the clean beasts. The male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female just two by two on the other. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. So you got 14 of each kind of fowl or flying critter and 14 of every kind of clean beast, but only two of every kind of the unclean. For yet seven days... And I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. So now we're getting into a timeline. So now he's saying seven days. Seven more days. But we know it took Noah, if you look at the details and so forth, it took Noah about a hundred years to build the ark. So... That leads credence to the statement that we read earlier about the 120 years. So was there 120 years from the time that that was recorded or spoken to the point of the flood beginning? Possibly. Because it took Noah 100 years to, just to build it. And it was huge. Plenty big enough for everything that he needed to put in there plus a whole lot more. For yet seven days and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Rain. They didn't know what rain was. Because the perfect condition was the mist would come up from the ground and it would water everything. They didn't have to worry about rain. 
And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Off the face of the earth. Not from the oceans, but from the face of the earth. And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of the waters was upon the earth. 600, because we know he was 500 when all this started. We go back and look at chapter 5 and verse 32. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That's an indicator of a time point that you can go by. So you go by that time point, then you jump over to he's 100 years later, we see that he's going into the ark, called into the ark by the Lord. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood, of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean, and of fowls and of every living thing that creepeth upon the earth, there went in two and two unto, Ad, unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. In the six hundredth year of Noah's life, in the second month and the seventeenth day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. Now this event he's speaking of here has still got evidence on the planet all around. You can find the evidence of the worldwide flood. And these fountains of the deep, if you look at the images of the ocean floor, you can see we have a big map here in in the hall there that you can look at, and you can see the, the scars from the cracks in the crust of the earth where the Lord opened that up and allowed the water that was beneath that to come up out of the, the areas beneath. And such a catastrophic event would trigger volcanoes, earthquakes, and this busting open of the, the crust of the earth and reshaping of the entire surface of the planet and there's enough water on the planet still today to totally cover the entire planet and swallow up and have everything underwater there's plenty of that because if you look and you measure the depths of the ocean and the heights of the mountains and if you was to smooth that all out there is currently enough water to totally cover the entire planet so he used that and plus they had the big water that was the bubble around the plant in the upper firmament where the ice crystals and the snow and stuff was up there and the heavy thick clouds, which was the shield from the harmful rays of the sun and the radiation and so forth. And it created the perfect greenhouse effect. He used that. He opened that firmament and let that all fall down. Read verse 11 again. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up. And the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth forty days and forty nights. Specific time given, forty days and forty nights. There's a pattern there. In the selfsame day entered Noah, Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them into the ark. 
they and every beast after his kind and all the cattle after their kind and, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and every fowl after his kind, every bird of every sort. And they went in unto Noah into the ark two and two of all flesh wherein is the breath of life. Notice the breath of life, the air breathing animals, in other words. And they that went in, went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded him and the Lord shut him in. Notice, the Lord closed that door. So he called everybody in and then for seven days that door was left open. For seven days people had the opportunity to come in to that salvation. You can imagine that Noah was probably standing at that doorway crying out to people that he knew, friends and relatives that he knew, maybe even folks that helped him, that helped supply the materials or even helped work on the ark during that hundred years. Crying out to them, come on in, it's going to happen. And you can imagine they were all just standing around watching and laughing and wonder how long they're going to stay in there, you know, making bets or whatever, how long they'd be in there before they give up and come out. But nobody else came in. The ark, plenty big enough. As you all know, that we went up there to Answers in Genesis, the ark of the, that they've got built up there in the Creation Museum, the displays they have there, and then there at the ark that they have on display up there in Kentucky. It's a beautiful place, and it's a huge ship. You can get on there and walk around. You can see there's a lot of room for a lot more folks, plenty of room for them animals as well. And he wouldn't have brought in fully mature, grown adult animals. He would have brought in the adolescents or even younger, so they would be easier to handle and to tend to and smaller and lighter as well. So there's plenty of room and plenty of supplies, but yet none other came in. No other people came in. And in verse 17, And the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lift up above the earth. And the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth. And all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail. And the mountains were covered. So, 20-some feet, you might say, over top of the highest peaks. But this catastrophic event would have just reshaped the entire planet. And because of the pressures of the water, you would have this shifting of surfaces up and down, which we can see on the planet today. And we can see the effects of the erosion that was caused. We can see the effects of the fountains of the deep as it went over top of the land as you look at the big maps of the sand out there, you can look at the edge of some of the continents and see as the water was coming over the land, it would create a, a churning effect underneath, kind of like at the edge of a waterfall. And right at the edge of the waterfall, downstream, right at the waters, as it hits down, it creates a deeper spot right where that water comes down, as you can see in the maps of the entire planet. You can see that you can even plot and plan, or I should say track, the direction of the water flow and how it affected and cut down into the surface of the, of the earth and created these deep channels around the edge in the ocean, the deeper areas you can follow and know exactly how the pattern of the water was. 
which is fascinating that so much details that can still be seen today. And it's fascinating how so many people believe, uh, don't believe that it ever happened. They just ignore the, the evidence that's all over the planet. Just like the mountains he's speaking of being covered. There are billions of dead things buried in rock layers laid down by water, as Buddy Davis sings, all over the earth. You can go in the highest mountains or in the lowest valleys and find fossils that were buried because of this flood. Seashells and ocean critters and, and fossils that are in the high mountains and so forth. So we know it covered everything. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. In verse 21, reads, And all flesh died that moved upon the earth. On the earth. Not the ocean. Although a lot of ocean critters were killed because of the effects of that water and the sediments that come into the ocean, buried a lot of critters that lived along the bottom and so forth. It was devastating to the entire planet. And all flesh died that moved upon the earth, both of fowl and of cattle and of beasts and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man, all in whose nostrils was the breath of life, of all that was in the dry land died. And every living substance was destroyed, which was upon the face of the ground, both man and cattle and the creeping things and the fowl of the heaven, and they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive, and they that were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed upon the earth an hundred and fifty days. So for a hundred and fifty days, the water was still covering everything. And the effects of this worldwide flood, we still see around the planet today. We benefit from the effects of the worldwide flood because of the worldwide flood, we have substances such as oil and we have tar, we have coal, all as a result of the worldwide flood. We'll get further into that as we get further into this study in Genesis. And we know that the total time that Noah and his family were on that ark and those animals was 371 days. So just over a year they were on that ark before they came out. But for 150 days, everything was totally covered. And then it starts to subside. But we'll get further into that next time. But let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank you for the records that we have to be able to study that give us that clarity of knowing that you are in control of everything on this planet. Every living substance is in your hands. And we give you all the honor and the glory and the credit for everything that is in existence and help us all to realize that and humble ourselves and come to you. We thank you oh so much for the opportunity you've given us to study. As we pray in Jesus' precious holy name, amen. Thank you all.